Hello and welcome to Notes from the Way. My name is Richard. This is the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about what it means to live as a Christian in the 21st century. We usually talk about one or more news stories that I pick out that are interesting from a standpoint of how we as believers relate to the culture at large. Then we look at something that uh, God might have for us from the scripture. So if you have any questions or comments, ideas, anything like that, it's very easy to get in contact with me. You can go to the blog that's attached to this podcast, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Or you can go to my email, which is nftw, which stands for Notes from the Way, nftw at sbcglobal.net. And I can be found either place, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, First, let's jump into something from the news. Okay, I've got two articles here. One, well, they're both from Baptist Press, actually. That's bpnews.net. First is titled, Relationships Key in College Ministries. Let me read a couple of paragraphs for you. Leading a ministry to college students on campus or in a church is like being a pastor of a small church where the entire membership leaves every four years. Nevertheless, ministry leaders must build relationships says Arliss Dickerson, who's the director of the Baptist Collegiate Ministry at Arkansas State University. This person also says relationships are the currency of your ministry. And he notes seven key areas that are vital for an effective Baptist Collegiate Ministry. The title is what really struck me of this, uh, this story, which is Relationships Key in College Ministries. Because really, relationships are key in every ministry. In fact, relationships are just key in life in general. Sometimes we miss that because we have this odd idea of what ministry involves, that it's some kind of a big event. It's something we go out and do. I was also reading stories in the uh, press about the Christian ministries that are going to the places that have been just decimated by this Hurricane Ike that that went through Texas and uh, parts of Louisiana. There's a lot of ministries down there doing a great work to bring relief and food and clothing and shelter for people who uh, really need it. But, you know, that's not really what ministry is for most of us in most of our daily lives. And it's not a a thing where we go out and we witness to people. When I was younger, we used to go out to uh, some of the local hot spots in Southern California. A group of us would go and witness to people and evangelize people and tell them about the gospel. And... A lot of these people didn't really want to know about the gospel, frankly, uh, when we went to tell them. And so we didn't always have great uh, responses or great uh, turnout for it because, well, a lot of people just were annoyed by the fact that we were there. You know, I had an uh, interesting uh, take on this a couple of years ago when some of the uh, mosques and Islamic centers in my area here in Southern California, they had an open house day where you could go to any of the uh, mosques or like I said the Islamic centers and you could talk to somebody there you could take a little tour do just look around all you wanted to and really once you got in there there was really some evangelism going on as far as uh, we went my wife and I went they wanted to really they were really pressing us to show us what was so great about Islam and really kind of get trying to get us to want to convert to Islam I was sitting there thinking this is what people are feeling when I'm doing this to them. When I'm inviting them to church or inviting them to dinner or I'm going out and confronting them or talking to them in a parking lot with the idea that I'm going to convert them, 
this is what they're feeling. And what I was feeling at that time was like I was being sold something that I really didn't want to buy. We need to be careful that we don't come across that way. We don't just come out with an agenda. There's another article from bpnews.net. And this one, I, the title caught my eye and I thought it was going to be something different. The title is, Jesus Calls Us to Sow As We Go. And I thought I was going to be talk about, talking about this idea that wherever we are, we just let the life of Jesus spill out around us and we sow seeds of the gospel. But instead it was about going out on evangelism initiatives going out to leave tracks and really be aggressive about spreading the gospel. And I'm not saying there's not a time and a place for that, but what I am saying that most of what we're going to consider ministry is not going to take place in those contexts. Instead, what's going to happen is going to take place in smaller venues with the people that we know, people that we've invested our lives in, people that we've invested relationships in, without the agenda of we need to see them saved because people know when you're trying to sell them something. I know we've all probably had that experience of, man, somebody's trying to give me a bill of goods here. I'm not really buying it. And I don't think that person really cares about me. I think they care about getting their quotas met. We don't want to be like that as Christians. Instead, what ministry really is to other people, people around us, and I just said it earlier, it's the life of Jesus spilling out into other people's lives. And sometimes that's a big thing, like those people, there's a lot of volunteers that have gone down to Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi to help hurricane victims, and sometimes it's something big like that, but often it's just going to be your next door neighbor that's having problems and they just need somebody to talk to. Or maybe it's going to be your coworker whose marriage is falling apart or their kids are messing up or whatever, and they just need somebody to, to just unburden themselves with, I guess you could say. In other words, real ministry happens in real life when we invest ourselves in others. And it's not often going to be a big thing. It's not a campaign or a one-time event, but it's when we share our hopes and our fears and our struggles, and other people share their hopes and fears and struggles with us, and we see how God can work in those situations. We let God shine through us. In fact, that's what it says in Matthew chapter five, that we should let our good works be so that people look at them And then they glorify our Father in heaven. So we need to allow space for God to shine through the things that we do. And we need to be open. Open to what God can do in us. And open to what God is doing in other people. Because so many times we see, or we don't see, the truth that God is working in somebody else's life. And we just don't see it. But what real ministry is, is not necessarily going out and hitting somebody with the gospel. And making sure they they hear it. But it's waiting for that opportunity when they're ready to hear it and being available to be used by God to be the one who shares that. There's a big difference in that because the first, in the first case, when you're going out and you're going to confront somebody with the gospel, maybe take out a coworker to lunch and you say, I'm going to sit down with this person and sometime during this lunch, I'm going to fit the gospel message in. That might work, but often they're going to feel like you're trying to sell them something. On the other hand, if you go out with somebody and you just share the gospel with them, or you just share life with them. Let me just let me be clear on that. You're sharing life with them, and as you find out what's important to them, and they find out what's important to you, they're going to see the kind of person you are, hopefully. They're going to want a piece of that. They're going to look at your life and your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Then they're going to be open for the message 
that the reason why your life is different, the reason my, why my life is different is because of what God is doing in my life. And that's a big change. And I think that's where we need to see ministry is in the context of what God is doing in us and through us rather than it being a one-time event where we go out and we hit people with the gospel. Instead, the gospel is shared as we build relationships with those around us, and they're going to be more open to hearing it. Now let's uh, turn to what uh, God might have for us in the scripture. Okay, as we turn to the scriptures this week, I wanted to return to the theme from last week, which was the fact that I believe that so much of our lives as Christians, we spend not living in the reality of who we are in Christ and what God has already done for us. And I wanted to look at another passage that talks about this truth, and especially it talks about something that's really near and dear to my heart, which is adoption. My wife and I, some of you know, some of you don't, obviously, that my wife and I have adopted three times. All three of our children are adopted, and they're wonderful. It's a great uh, process that I recommend to any loving uh, family. But the truth is, and a lot of people don't realize it, the truth is that we as believers are also adopted. Every single one of us are adopted into the family of God, as children of God. This truth is brought out uh, very strongly in Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to read a few uh, verses here, starting at verse 4. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which, is he, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It goes on from there, but let's just stop there for a moment and talk about this. Uh, the truth is that we have been adopted by God, and we are his children, no matter where we come from or what our background is. As Christians, we are adopted by God, and we are his people, his children, his family. What does that mean for us? Well, adoption means a lot of things, but a couple of things that really stand out to me, having gone through the process three times. Uh, the first is that adoption is not something you, can, you do by accident. Adoption is hard work. It takes time. And this is brought out here in this passage. Of course, God is not bound by time. But it says here that before the beginning of the world, before creation, he chose us to be adopted as his children. It does take time. Like I said, it took us three years to be fully done through the adoption process. God started the process of adoption for us before time began before we were before we were even created now think about what that means that means that knowing us ahead of time he looked down through history before we were born knowing everything about us and knowing all the good stuff about us and knowing all the bad stuff all the sin all the rebellion all those things that we would do and he chose anyway to adopt us that should be something that we rejoice over because knowing us Knowing everything about us, every part of our being, he still chose us. That must mean that he saw something that he valued. Not that we're valuable in and of ourselves necessarily, but there's something that he valued in us and that he wanted us to be part of his family. He did it in love. That's what it says here. In love, he, he chose us to be adopted. 
So it wasn't something he had to do. He was not something he was uh, forced to do. It was something he did because of his love for us. The second thing that I want us to think about for adoption is that when you go through the adoption ceremony, the court procedure, uh, the finalization of the adoption, the judge reads you uh, this little section of the law that talks about the fact that your, your adopted child has all the rights and the privileges and everything that comes along with being a biological child. It's as though that child were born to you physically when you adopt, when the adoption process is over. <clears throat> so we have full recognition and f all the rights and the privileges as sons and daughters of God. Everything that is good, everything that you can imagine being a part of being God's child is ours because of the adoption that God has, has done for us, bringing us into his family, that intimacy with the father. I don't know if you had a father growing up. I didn't. But if you can imagine what the perfect father would be like, God is even bigger and better than that and longs for us just to spend time with him and just be close to him and just love him and let him love on us. The kind of forgiveness that can go on in a family where parents have the ability to show what forgiveness looks like, and God does that for us every day and every moment. And all those good things, all of the resources, that's the other thing that it talks about uh, in the inheritance, that you, the child who's adopted, the court proceedings always talk about this, the child who is adopted has all the rights of inheritance, and which for my children is really not that much because we don't have anything that they're going to inherit really. But for some children, it's quite a bit. I mean, can you imagine being a child of the Heavenly Father who has everything, physical, material, spiritual, emotional, everything at his disposal, and all of that is ours because we're his children. All of the resources, all of the riches, and again, that's not just material, that's everything. It says here also that he's given us his Holy Spirit, just the promise. Say, hey, you know, I've adopted you in your mind, and to prove that, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, who's going to be that promise, that down payment, that shows that I'm going to complete my good work in you. So what this means, this is not an accident. God's plan for us was before time, and now we're, we are his family. We're not strangers anymore. We're not outsiders anymore. We can come into the presence of God, not as somebody who's a visitor or somebody who can come by once in a while, but we can stroll into the presence of God and know that he loves us and that he wants us and that he cares for us because we are his people and not only are we his people but we're his children and that's reality no matter how you feel no matter if you feel sometimes that god is far from you or that god's not happy with you or that he's upset or annoyed with you the reality is you are his child he did all the hard work sending his son to die on the cross to burn away all the sin and the shame that kept us from him and he has adopted us and made us his sons and his daughters with all the rights and all the privileges and all the wonderful things that go along with having a father who loves us perfectly hugely more i don't even have words to speak it more than we could ever imagine and that's what the father's love means for us and that's what reality is so if we're living in reality we need to live in the reality that god loves us more than we can ever know and he loves us, and he's made us his child. Well, I hope you've gotten something from this podcast. We do this every week, and if you have any questions or comments, be sure and get in contact with me, either at the 
blog, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com, or at my email address, which is nftw at sbcglobal.net. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, God bless. Thank you.